Hey, everyone. Welcome and good afternoon. <laughs> okay. The Parsha class from Monday night got a little delayed. Um, the reason for that was, even though I gave a class here for the people that came, I didn't record because my brain was frozen. And the idea that I was working on did not, did not develop. And amazing, it sat in my head two days, it's you know, like kind of stuck. I had something, but it wasn't, wasn't breaking through. And Baruch Hashem, today in the morning, I had a breakthrough. So I hope uh, it was worth the wait. And that's going to be an exciting class. Actually, it is a very, very exciting topic. Hashem should only help that even though I did not have enough time to fully develop it, it's been sitting in my head, but I didn't like process it the way I should. It should still come out way better than uh, I can imagine. Um, very, very, very exciting ideas that I'd like to share, relating both to Purim, to Bashar's Vayikra, and to the most important topic, and that is the coming of Mashiach. Um, today's class, which should be already dedicated retroactively to yesterday, which would have been had it been on a Monday night, uh, to the, by um, Zalman and Esther Roth, in honor of Esther Roth's father's Yorzeit. Meshulam Zalman ben Wolf Hersh HaKoyin, whose Yorzeit is Hey Adar. And they commemorated it in Adar Rishain, but extra in Adar Sheni. So it should be a big schus for his neshama, and may he channel lots of brachas to the Roth family for all that they need and all that they want in the material and the spiritual. I also want to invite everyone to Shabbos at Mayan. We're going to have an awesome, awesome Shabbos with the great Chazan Baltfila singer, uh, magnificent angelic voice, Shulam Lemmer. He's going to be here with us Friday night, Shabbos day. And then for a class, for a unique class, Shabbos afternoon, in which Together, I guess, uh, I guess it makes more sense that I should speak and he will sing. Uh, but we'll see what's going to be. Um, okay, so that's exciting. So we're ready to start. So this week is both, it's Pashas Vayikra. It's a very special Shabbos because it's Pashas Zohar. We take out two Sefer Torahs. We read a special reading of the eradication of Amalek. And we have Purim coming up next week. And... We have Moshiach coming every day closer and closer and closer. So let's see if we can make a big challenge, so to speak, and find the connection of all these in Yanim together. Primarily Moshiach, Purim. So I'd like to share with you um, something great. I mean, what I'm saying today originated in a talk of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Tavshem Mem Tes, 1989. Pasha Zacher, Pasha's Vayikra, you can look it over there. But when I read it the first time, it just wasn't, it, it, I felt that there was something hidden. It's amazing because the content of what we're talking about is that which is hidden bursting open. And it was hidden from me and I, I felt I didn't have it. And just today, like, boom, it like cracked open, which is the whole concept of B'yas HaMashiach. It's when the hidden will be revealed. It's the meaning of Megillah's Esther. Esther comes from the word concealment. Manoichi astir, astir, I will hide. The Indian of Purim is Megillah's Esther, to reveal the concealed. What, what is hidden should be revealed. So, but we'd like to take into a really, really, really exciting 
uh, area. And that is something that I would assume that in all your Purim classes that you learned, you did not hear this. There should be a chidush. And here's the chidush. We find something pretty interesting. And that is that, I mean, there's so many things to talk about by Purim. Why am I talking about this? But you'll see how there's such a great depth. And that is that the letter, the Hebrew letter of Mem is a very, very pronounced letter regarding to everything Purim. Everything associated with Purim is deeply connected with the letter Mem. Now, where do we find that? Let's go through the mitzvahs of Purim. First and primary mitzvah of Purim is, which we do immediately in the beginning of Purim, is Mikra Megillah. Both those words, Mikra and Megillah, starts with a Mem. Then we have the mitzvah of Mishloyach Manais, sending gifts to our friends. Both these words, Mishloyach Manais, begin with a Mem. The third unique mitzvah for Purim is giving gifts to the poor, which is called Matanois La'avyeinim. Now, here, it's not unlike the others where they both words begin with a mem. Here at least the first word, matanois, begins with a mem. And especially in this case, evyon is poorer than a dal. In Hebrew, there's many words for poor people. Evyon means someone who's extremely destitute. Now when Chazal say that evyon is tov l'choldavar, he's thirsting for everything. Spiritually, that means it's a person who doesn't have any quality. I mean, you can't say that there is a human being without a quality, but let's just say he doesn't have any noticeable quality. So he's thirsting for everything. Everything, he's lacking in every area. So in a person like that, we can understand that the main element is the matana, that you're giving him a matana. Matana is So the matana is more intense than the evion in, in this word highlighted by the matana, which is, starts with a mem. The other word is mishta v'simcha. What's the next mitzvah on Purim? To have a party. And the Purim party, party is unique that you're supposed to do it with wine. More than any other holiday. More than any other Yom Tiv, we're called to pop the champagne. And uh, that's why it's a... a that's, the, the, the um, festivities of Purim are called Mishta v'simcha. Mishta is drinking. Simcha. Uh, second word again is not with the mem, but the first word, Mishta, which is the main thing, because the whole part, Purim party is based on, on, on drinking. Mishta v'simcha. So there you have again mem. So you see how through Purim, all the mitzvahs of Purim start with a mem. The major players of Purim also have Mem in their name. Not all, but Mordechai starts with a Mem. Haman, who's the troublemaker of Purim, also has a Mem in his name. Not the first letter, but he has a Mem. The word Purim has a Mem at the conclusion of the word Purim. So, um, a lot of Mems. Is there anything to this? Is there any significance to the mem element popping out? Or okay, 
random. Well, from the story of Megillah, we see that nothing is random. The reasons why the Mems come popping out on Purim is because Purim has a unique, unique connection to the future. It has a unique connection to the Geula, to the redemption, to the times of, yes, Moshiach. And Moshiach begins with a Mem. Moshiach. Chazal also say in Masech the Sanhedrin, Yemoisa Moshiach, that the days of Moshiach, the time allotted for Moshiach is 40 years. Mem Shana, 40 years. So you see again that Moshiach is related to the letter Mem. 40 years. The letter Mem equals 40, which represents 40 years. What exactly that means? I mean, we know that uh, Moshiach should come any second, and it should have come earlier, but if it didn't, at least it should come every second, and we know it's going to be a Moisa Moshiach longer. No, but probably it means Yemoisa Mashiach before the resurrection, or before what's called Olam Haba, or whatever. But that's what Chazal say, 40 years. Moshiach Tzedkenu himself has many names. One of the names of Moshiach Tzedkenu is Menachem. Chazal say. And in many places, Chazal refer to Moshiach as Menachem. The name Menachem begins with a mem and ends with a mem. And it has two kinds of mems. An open mem at the beginning of the word and a closed mem, a mem sofit, a closed mem at the end of the word. We also know that Moshiach, that Moshiach's neshama originates in Adam Harishon and is hinted to in the word Adam so the word Adam is spelled like there says in Shlach HaKadosh, Aleph, Dalet, Mem. So the Aleph represents, it stands for Adam. The Dalet of Adam stands for David. And the Mem of Adam, the closed Mem, is for Moshiach. Now since Purim is deeply related to the days of Moshiach, where do we see that Purim is related to Moshiach? Well, number one, we have two Adars now. And we celebrate Purim the second Adar. The reason why we celebrate Purim on the second Adar, not the first Adar, is because is because Chazal say Mismach Geula LeGeula. We should put close redemption to redemption. We're celebrating the redemption of Pesach, and we're celebrating the redemption of Purim. So we don't want to interrupt with a empty month, we put the two redemptions together. When we say Geula, we don't only mean the past Geula of Pesach, which was the first redemption we're talking about, also the future redemption, which the sages tell us that the most opportune time for the future redemption has been, is a Nisan, Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Asidin Goel. So the fact that we put Purim next to Nisan is to generate the energy of the Geula, of the redemption, from Purim to Pesach, from Purim to the future redemption, it's the first indication that Purim is related to the future. There's another indication that Purim is related to the future, because Chazal tell us, even if, even if all the holidays will become cancelled when Mashiach will come, if it, if it means that we won't keep the Yom Tov. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean that. It means it will be cancelled, as explained in Hasidus, means that the light of Mashiach is so strong that it will overpower the light 
and the holiness of every Yom Tif. It will be unnoticed like a candle in the middle of the daylight. The holiness of Moshiach of, the, of that time. And er, a regular Monday, the light of a regular Monday, the days of Moshiach, is more powerful than the light of Rosh Hashanah. Something like that. So that's what we mean, the Yom Tif will be bottled. But Purim will not be bottled. Purim will not be nullified. Because the light of Purim is so intense that it will be noticed even in Moshiach's days. But what do you see from here? That Moshiach, that Purim is very futuristic. It relates to the time of Moshiach. And there we have, and again, and the connection is there in the Mems, which are overwhelmingly present in Purim. By the way, Haman I mentioned is a Purim entity. And Haman comes from an ancestor called Amalek, which Amalek also has a mem in his name, Amalek. And when Haman made an accusation against the Jewish people, Haman, and we know that his accusation against the Jewish people wasn't only to Ahasuerus, to the king Ahasuerus, but it was also speaking to the Ahasuerus above, which Chazal say is Achris Veresha Shalom, is referring to God. Who the beginning and the end, the word Achashverosh stands from the word Achris Veresha, end and beginning. Referring to Hashem, who transcends the beginning and the end. And Haman was trying to evoke by God a wrath against the Jewish people. And what was his accusation against the Jewish people? He said, Mefuzar o Meforad. The Jewish people are spread and scattered. And with that, he meant something very, very serious. And the fact that they're opposite of who they're, what they're all about. They're all about unity, oneness. They're, they're a am echad that's here to express Hashem echad. But they're not in a state of echad. They're splintered, they're scattered, they're all over the place. Mefuzaru mefoira. They don't get along with each other. They're fragmented. And if, you, and if they're fragmented, chas v'shalom what gain do you get, get, get out of them if they're not fulfilling their purpose of unity, of oneness? The word mefuzar or mefairad begins with the letters mem. Mefuzar or Both of them are mems. So we kind of get an interesting thing. We see the negative elements, the decree, the, 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 the dark side of Purim is related to a mem. And we also see that the bright side of Purim, like Mordechai and Mikra Megillah and Mishlayach Manois and Mishta Vesimcha and Matane Slav Yainim and, and, and all, the, all the good stuff of Purim is also full of mems, like the mem of Moshiach and Menachem and all the mems relating to the future. So we really need to understand in general what's the significance of the mems and is the mem bad or the mem good? Is it the problem or is it the solution? What's the, what's the story with the mem? Now we're going to connect it to the parsha, Parshas Vayikra. Parshas Vayikra has a little aleph that's unique in the parsha, but there's another element in the parsha that we might glaze over and not notice, but there is an entity in the parsha that's important and it's related. And that is that this parsha, in addition to all the karbonis and the sacrifices, it introduces to us salt. It's not the first time the Torah talks about salt. We have already the story of Lot. His wife gets converted to salt. But if here, it's the positive usage of salt 
that salt needs to be used it out. The Pasik says, Al kol karboncha takriv melach. On every one of your sacrifices, you should salt it. And we know in kosher, we have to salt all meat that we eat. On the Beis Amigdash, nothing went onto the altar until it was thoroughly salted. Everything needed to have salt. Kol karboncha takriv melach. Melach, interesting, also starts with a mem. Does this mem of melach have any connection to do with what we're talking about? With melach Moshiach, King Moshiach, by the way, I said before Moshiach starts with a mem. Malka Moshiach, melach Moshiach, is again double mems. Does the mems over here all interconnect or not? So this is all cute and nice, but there is is there some something behind there very deep and very rich? Well, there is. So let's talk a little bit about the mems. Generally, we know we're familiar that there's two kinds of mems. There is a regular mem and there is a a in Yiddish you call it an ender mem, or some places they refer to it as a shlas mem, a locked a locked mem. What's the difference? They're both an enclosed area. A mem is an enclosed area. But the regular mem has a little opening, a little breach in its enclosement, a little, a little, a little doorway. And that's a regular mem. A, a schloss mem, an, what we call an end mem, is a completely closed enclosement. It is completely fortified and closed. So Chazal referred to it as Mem Psucha and Mem Stuma. A open Mem and a closed Mem. And the way it usually works is the Mem that comes in the middle of a word is open. You always use a regular Mem. When the Mem is placed at the end of a word, then you put a closed Mem. And that's a Mem Stuma. And simply it is because these special letters a closed mem means it, it comes to close something off. You're ending the word. It's coming to put a a conclusion to the word. You put a closed mem on a simple on a simple level. But that's the general rule that we always use. You'll never find in the Torah that a open mem is at the end of a word and that a closed mem is in the middle of the word. It's always that way. That mems the closed one and the end of the word and the open one in the middle of the word. But there is two or one exception for each one of these. There is one place in the Torah that a closed mem is in the middle of a word. And there is one place in the Torah that an open mem is at the end of a word. So where, where is that? So let's first find the... Um, Closed mem in the middle of a word. Yeshaya, Isaiah, Yeshaya, Perek Tes, Pasuk Vav. We once spoke about this on Parshas Noyach, which is also associated with this whole idea. We spoke about the Teva and so forth. But over here it says as follows. Lamar Ha-Misra, an increased governorship, increased sovereignty, Misra means a governing power, a kingdom, a sovereign ruler. So this Misra, this increased, um, this government, this, this governing power, 
is marbe is going to be increased, very very strong. Ulushalem inkates, and there's going to be infinite peace, infinite peace with a powerful, powerful, powerful sovereignty, powerful kingdom. Where is this going to be? Al ki say David on the throne of David Amelech. Valmamlachtein on his kingdom. So we all know there's something called Malchus Beis David. Malchus Beis David is the ultimate expressor of God's sovereignty in the world. But Malchus Beis David, the kingship of the kingdom of King David, didn't last forever. The kingdom of David was interrupted. It was there for a while, and then it was breached and it was broken. And we don't have a. The divine kingdom is not manifest, it's not revealed, it's not fully present in the current world. But the Pasik says, it's a prophecy for the end of days, for the messianic times. What does it say? The government, the rulership, the sovereignty, which is going to be al kisei David on the throne of David, is going to be increased, 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 how much? No number, no no set amount, infinite. Because we talk, we know that Mashiach's kingdom is going to last forever and ever and ever, and it's going to extend throughout the all of existence. It's going to be infinite, infinite in scope, infinite in time, and it's also going to introduce a time of shalom. That's why it says Shalom in Kates, without an end to peace. The word marbe, which means to increase, which is the which really means the source from where this increased incre- this increased energy in Malchus Beis David in the kingdom of David Amelach. Where is it going to be coming from? Lamarbe. That's the word. The word marbe. You hear the word marbe. Mishanech nesadar marbim besimcha. We increase marbe to increase. The word marbe has a mem le marbe, and that mem is a closed mem. So this is the one exception where a closed mem is in the middle of a word. This is an indication that the closed mem for some reason is associated with the future time. The future time. Why why is the closed mem in the middle of a word associated with the future time, we'll see soon. But you see from here that a mem stuma, a closed mem, is related to not current times, future times. Because here's where we have the closed mem in the middle of a word. Now there's another pasuk. In Sefer Nehemiah. In Sefer Nehemiah, Pereg Bez. Pasuk Yud Gimel. It says, "Ve'etzah b'shar Hagai." I went out into the into the entranceway, Hagai of the valley, Lila at night. And he says he came through. Ve'eishoyver b'chaymas Yerushalayim. I was breaking the walls of Jerusalem. The place was in rooms. And he says it was Asher Hein These walls were already breached. 
Ushaharel and its fences, its or its gates, Uklubaesh were consumed by fire. So he's talking about a walking around the city of Jerusalem, seeing it in its burnt down state and its destroyed state. And he says, I continued knocking down the wall. Why he was knocking down the wall, I don't know exactly what they were doing. Maybe this was going to be later for the purpose of reconstruction. But meanwhile, this is what was going on. But he says, The word asher heim, referring to the walls. These walls, they, heim means they. The word heim has a hey and a mem. The mem should be closed because it's in the end of a word. And this mem is an open mem. A mem psucha. This is talking about a very sad state. We're talking about Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, and the walls of Jerusalem being burned down, being destroyed. And what do we find? What's dominating over here is an open mem. In that the open mem shows up in a place where it ordinary doesn't belong. This open mem. So, so what do we see from here? That the days of Moshiach, the times of the future, the good days, the times of holiness and goodness, of increased kingship of Jerusalem, of Yerushalayim, where Yerushalayim is going to be in all of its might, and all of her glory, and all of her power. So it's, then we have the dominance of the closed mem. And that closed mem, and that closed mem is so strong, that even though it usually doesn't belong at the end of a word, Sorry, in the middle of a word, it appears even in the middle of a word. Vice versa, in the time of the destruction of the base of nature, we're talking about exile and darkness. We have the open man being, being expressed so strong that it appears even where it doesn't belong in the end of a word. The mem psucha and the mem stuma are being exchanged. So according to this, what do we have? It seems like the closed mem is a good thing. The open mem is a bad thing. Or can lead to bad. And let me explain what that means. Mem, in general, is a letter associated with malchus, with the Shekhinah. The word malchus begins with the word mem. Mem also stands for the word the Gemara says about the two Mems. The Gemara says, Maimer Pasuach or Maimer Sasum. A open, a open speech, enclosed speech. An open circuit. A open circuit. And a closed circuit. And what's the difference between an open circuit and a closed circuit? I'm not that familiar with Ondo. Well, I know that a closed circuit means that no one can, when they're having a court case and they're using closed circuit, uh, I don't know, television or whatever they call it. It means that uh, it's locked. It's like a Wi-Fi uh, code that is locked and no one can, uh, you can't, unless you have the passcode, you can't enter. Sometimes you have a Wi-Fi situation where the Wi-Fi is open. There's no lock on it, and anybody can tap into your Wi-Fi and uh, use it. It's an open. The Shekhinah, Malchus, is the divine energy that flows to the creation. It can be in a state where it's closed, 
and then it's secure or in a place that it's open. And we always know when something is open, there's always room for forces of negativity to get a hold of it. And what we call in Hasidic terminology, in Kabbalistic terminology, the deriving of energy of the bad guys. Extraneous forces can derive energy. It's basically open and therefore it can be hacked. Others can go in and take. And, and, and that's the time of exile. The time of exile, Hashem's flow of energy, the flow of energy that God di- di- disseminates into the, into the universe has undesirable forces that are deriving power from it, so much so that they, have, they reign and they have power in this world. And holiness is persecuted, holiness is subservient to that which is unholy. The Jewish people are oppressed and darkness is stronger than light. And ultimately we know that everything comes from Kedusha, everything comes from holiness, everything comes from God. No one has any power to move their finger without, without Hashem. But it's that the unholy is deriving and siphoning energy from Kedusha and using it in a bad way. And that's all related to the open mem. That's why the open mem is indicative with the time of exile. Yenika sachitzonim. The stealing of energy. Um, Hashem's words that are open to be, to be um, as we said earlier, to be hacked. The closed mem represents a time, <coughs> a concealed level, a higher, deeper place that, is, that isn't vulnerable for, for, for being chas v'sholem, uh, to, to, to being accessed by those that don't deserve it. It's more of a level called Alma Deskasya. It's a concealed level of holiness. A more transcendental inner state. And that place is not vulnerable for the bad guys, for negativity. And that's the reason why when Mashiach will come, we know there won't be any more Yenika Sachitzonim. There won't be any more deriving of the Chitzonim. The unholy will not be able to take any more they will be eradicated, removed from the earth. And that's symbolized by the protected state of the closed mem. Okay, so now we understand the difference. A closed mem is a safe zone. And an open mem is not a safe zone. It's not a secure zone. And that's why this represents the time of Golos, when the walls of Jerusalem, we can also look at it at the walls of Yerushalayim, when the walls of Jerusalem, let's look at Yerushalayim as the enclosed area inside the Mem. When the walls of Jerusalem are breached, when the walls are breached, then you have an open Mem. Because it's being breached. And the Romans or the Babylonians or whoever it is, is able to come in and claim, claim uh, power or whatever it is over Yerushalayim. When Yerushalayim is closed and locked and fortified, that's, you, but it says when Mashiach will come, the Ebershter says, I will be a firewall. Ani I will be for them choymas esh. I will be a wall of fire surrounding Yerushalayim, protecting her. And therefore, that's a closed man. By the way, this, this thing says the, the Evan Ezra. The Ezra Ezra over here says, Ulefaresh, um, He's, he's, he, he's, he's wondering on this idea why the, um, why the mem is open. 
that's coming to indicate the walls of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is the Shekhinah. Jerusalem is, uh, that's the source of life for the whole world. So when, when the mem is open, when the walls are breached, the mem gets torn open. It's supposed to be closed, but it's open. They're opened up. I want to share with you Rabbeinu Bechaya. Rabbeinu Bechaya in Bereshis talks about this idea of the open mem and the closed mem. And right in the beginning of Parshas Vayechi, in Bereshis, Rabbeinu Bechaya says as follows. We all know that Parshas Vayechi is the one Parsha in the Torah in where there is no space between that Parsha and the previous Parsha. Vayigash and Vayechi connect without any space in the middle. It's called a parsha stuma, a closed parsha. And what's the reason why it's stuma? So Rabbeinu Bachaya says, the reason why it's stuma is because in this parsha, Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal the end of days. He wanted to reveal the time of Mashiach. And later we find that he speaks about Mashiach. He does, even though he didn't reveal the kates, but he talks a lot about Mashiach. When he's giving blessings to Yehuda, He's talking about Atkiyav, Shiloh. It's the first time that there's real strong Mashiach talk in the Torah. So Rabbeinu Bachaya says, that period of time of Yamoisa Mashiach is indicated in a closed mem, in a sasom. It's a closed, as we said before, it's a closed circuit state of existence. It's a very secure state. Non-hackable non-penetratable. And it's for that reason, he says, that Vayechi, the whole Parsha is a closed Parsha. Because it's all in that protected zone. He says, um, He wanted to reveal the Kates, and, and, it, and it became hidden from him. Yeah. Yeah. Since he mentions Mashiach, this parsha comes closed, to indicate a closed case. He wanted to reveal it, but it got closed from him. And that's why he brings over here, Yeshaya says, He brings this pasuk, increased governorship, and infinite peace, and the mem is closed, not the way it should really be in terms of the way usual Torah, linguistic, the writing is done in a way where the mem is open when it is in the middle of a word. In the middle of a word, it's always open. Here it's closed. This comes to teach you. So he says the reason for that is because this is to teach you that the quality and this great, incredible, infinite power of the Jewish people, which is the kingdom of Mashiach, now it is closed. It's stumatzit. When you look at Rabbeinu Bachayi, what you're really seeing, what you're really noticing is, what you're looking at Rabbeinu Bachayi, is what you're really noticing, and what you are seeing is, That, that when, it, when he's talking about the concealed world, the stuma, the closedness, it's in a sense, yeah, it's talking about a future thing, but there's something negative about it. 
We don't want it to be closed. Yaakov wanted to reveal it, but it remained hidden from him. It would be great if it can open up. In our current age, this great infinite kingship of Mashiach, the future uh, power of the Jewish people, the quality, the elevation of Israel and the Jewish people and the power of Hashem in this world, currently it's, an, it's in a state of stuma. Comes out according to this that the mem stuma is not completely positive. Do we want the mem to remain closed or do we want the mem to open up? As it looks like in Rabbeinu Bachaya, it will open up. This mem will open itself up, even though now it's closed. Omatzinu be'ezra. Well, let's take a look in Rabbeinu Bachaya further. He says, take a look in Ezra. Mem psucha. And remember, I brought you the other pasuk. Besayf teva. I guess he means by, by Ezra, not in, not in, not in Sefer Ezra, because it's Sefer Nechemya. But you find an open mem in the end of a word. Gam ken kamish, but not according the way it should be. And that's what it says. The, the walls of Jerusalem that are usharel iklu It's burnt down in a fire. You have a mem. Oh, but listen to the medrash. And he brings a medrash. Va'amru bemedrash, and it says in a medrash. Shabah haremes kasha yisasmu chaymas Yerushalayim. When the gates of Yerushalayim will finally be closed. So now the state of Golos is that the, the state of exile is that the mem, that the mem that's in the end of the word that's supposed to be closed is open. On the word Asherim, the walls of Jerusalem are open. But he says the Medrash says, he doesn't say where this Medrash is, that when the walls of Yerushalayim will be closed, when the breaches are drowned Jerusalem, when those that are now on the Temple Mount, all those that are now, that are now um, contaminating, we should say, or, 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 or uh, violating the holiness of Yerushalayim, because they had access to it. When that space is going to be finally secure and closed, now it is open. It's in the time of exile. So what's going to happen? What the Rabbeinu Bachaya says, there is an incredible interchange of the mems. And that is as follows. The mem that's open in the end of the word where it doesn't belong, needs to close. Because in the end of a word, it should be closed. And so it will be when Mashiach will come. The Navi is going to change. Does that mean automatically it's going to change in every book? I don't know. But what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? The Mem in Sefer Nechemya, which speaks about the breached walls of Jerusalem and the Mem is open, indicating of the, of the breach, that's going to close. But you know what's going to happen? When this Mem will close, the other Mem, the Mem of Mashiach's kingdom that Rabbeinu Bahaya just explained, is in a state of concealment during the time of exile. It's in a state of concealment and hidden. That's why it's a closed mem in the middle of a word. That marbeha misra, that increased governorship of God, that's really infinite, but now we don't see it in its infinity, in its, all of its power. Then that mem will split open. And then it will be perfect. The mem in la marbeha misra will open up. And the mem 
And that's going to be an indication of Moshiach's arrival and the full power and potency of this, of this kingship of David HaMelech will open. And the other men will close. Now, by the way, the Radak says the same thing over here. The Radak in, um, in, in Yeshaya, Periktes, Lamar Misra. He says, well, he brings the two mems. V'yesh boy drash, there is a drash. Kasha yistu muchaymas Yerushalayim shem prutzim. When the gates of Jerusalem that are open will close. They're now open, calls managolas during the time of the exile. The Esa Yeshua on the time of the Yeshua that's going to come. Yistu muaprutzim, that which is open is going to close. Vas tipasecha mishra, mishra, then the kingship of God will open. Shustuma ad melech Mashiach Until Mashiach, Hashem's powerful kingship, the kingship of Malchus Beis David, is closed. It's not revealed. That will open up. So over here, we're finally seeing an interesting thing, and that is, it's not unlike I said before. In general, the mem, the closed mem, is good, and the open mem represents a certain negativity. Yes, that's true. The closed mem is a protective zone. Why do you think the light of Mashiach is now protected and closed? Because if it would be open, that power, that infinite power would be usurped by bad guys. That's why it has to remain closed. But the fact that it's closed means that it's not manifesting. There's a deep secret that's not being revealed, that's closed, that the world is not ready yet to handle. The world can't handle it yet, it can't be revealed. So that mem is a closed mem. It's in a good state that there's no... There's no negative negativity deriving from there, but it is also because, because it's so intense, it's, remained, it's remaining hidden and, and concealed from us. Then there is the second mem, as we said earlier, what's the second mem? <coughs> Representing a, 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 a Golistic estate, where the mem is open, which means that the forces of negativity can steal and derive energy. So that's one idea. But what we're saying now is, that fixing these two problems, fixing both, we fix them both together. And ha- what happens? When we will close the bottom mem, the open mem, which means we will cut off that which is unholy and negative and not allow them approach to Kedusha, we're going to soon see how that happens. Then the higher inner concealed mem of Marbaha Misra is going to open up. So the, the, ver- the sukkim are going to change. The, the pasuk that has a closed mem is going to get an open mem. And the pasuk that has a, a closed mem, an open mem, is going to get closed. So comes out according to that. What is open will close, and what is closed will open. And that's with the time of Mashiach. Let me add to this one a phenomenal thought. The Megala Amukis, the Tzemach Tzedek, in his Oyer HaToyre and Yeshaya. He brings on the Megala, he brings the Rabbeinu Bachaya, he brings all of this, and then he brings the Megala Amukis. Oifin Kufpeh. And the reason is, he says, Mashiach is hinted to in the closed mem. Remember, Lomar Bahamisra, closed mem, the kingdom of Mashiach. Ki Mashiach nirmez bemem stuma. Mashiach is hinted to in a closed mem. I remember I told you from Adam Arishon, the closed mem of Adam Arishon is a closed mem. It's a bird nest, it's closed. It's a... 
if Moshiach's light will open up, the Hainu Moshiach Min Kan Sipor, Moshiach will go out of his nest. And he will reveal himself down here. That means that the higher Mem will come to revelation. The Mem of Lamar Baha Misra will be open. It will cause the other Mem to close. He says the same thing Rabbeinu Bachaya says, but he's saying it in an opposite order. In other words, what's going to cause what? Do we have to first close the outer Mem? So that we can experience the opening of the inner Mem? Of the closed Mem? Or do we work the other way around? We open up the closed Mem, the revelation of Mashiach, the revelation, as we're soon going to see what that means in our own personal lives. And that will cause the outer Mem, to cl- the, the open Mem to close. But we do see this interchange. So the Tzemach Tzedek adds a phenomenal idea. And he says, take a look. This idea that what is open will close and that which is closed will open. This idea that that which is open will close and that which will close um, will open is mamish, is literally the story of Geula and redemption. Because we know that the Golos is compared to a pregnancy. And we, the Jewish people, and holiness are the fetus, the baby. And when Mashiach will come, it's considered the birth. The sages tell us an interesting thing about a fetus. They say that when the fetus is in the mother's womb, and we know this, its mouth is shut, it doesn't eat through its mouth. So its mouth is closed. Its stomach is open. Food goes through its, through its uh, umbilical cord, its connection to its mother. What happens the moment the baby is born? The sages say, what happens? Like we say in Hashem, If one will close, the other one will open. That's what happens. When the baby is born, its opening closes, and its closed opening, it's closed, the openings that are closed open. So the baby can breathe, the baby can, can, can eat, its nostrils, its, its mouth opens, and its stomach that was open closes. And that's literally the, the two mems changing. The closed mem will become an open mem, the open mem will become a closed mem. That's the story of, that's, that's, that's the exchange of the two mems of the Mem Stuma and the Mem Psuch. So now we need to understand what does this mean. By the way, when the Mem, the closed Mem, will open, so it says from Reb Chaim Vital, talking about Yarizal, name of Reb Chaim Vital, that when the closed Mem of Marbaha Misra, of Moshiach's power, will open, it will split diagonally. And when it splits diagonally, it becomes two dalids, dalid and dalid. And when you have two dalids, those are the two dalids of David, Ben David Avdecha. The two dalids of the word David, dalid vav dalid, are the two halves of the mem of the closed mem. But that's after it opens, we have the Hizgalos, the revelation of Mashiach Ben David. What does this mean? And what does this have to do with Purim? 
But as I mentioned earlier, in Purim, we see that there was a negative mem, and that's Haman and Amalek. As we spoke earlier, scattered amongst the nations, starting with the mem. Because the mem leaves room for a, 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 for the forces of Amalek, forces of darkness, bad guys, to be strong. But then we have the power of Mordechai, which starts with the mem, and the miracle of Mikra Megillah, and so on and so forth, that, that is also a mem. And it's the opening mem. And in the word Menachem of Mashiach Tzedkenu, there is an, a mem pesucha at the beginning and a mem stume at the end. Indicating these two, these two things. That the, what is open will close and what is closed will open. But let's understand what does that mean. How does this all relate to regular ordinary living? So we have to understand what is the Chiddush of Purim. I'm going to do this very briefly, but it's really, really, really evolving. What's the novelty of Purim? See, the great thing about Purim is two things. Number one, Purim is a time when, we, when the enemies of God were defeated. Amalek was broken. That's number one. Another element to, to Purim is our connection to God was intensified. And this is exactly the two things that we spoke about. Closing the Mem... The open man means the forces of darkness and evil are cut off, discontinued, cut off. Haman is hanging from a tree with his ten sons, cut off. Amalek is, is, is destroyed. That's closing the man. That's one element of Purim. We go here, the Megillah, what do we all do? We're banging on Amalek, we're eradicating the Amalek of then and the Amalek of now. But there's something else to Purim, which is what we really are celebrating. And that is, Purim, the sages tell us, Kimu v'kiblu Yehudim. The Jewish people re-accepted that which, the Torah. The Torah was given to us in Sivan, we accepted the Torah. The Torah tells us, however, that the Gemara tells us that our acceptance was not for real. Because, in a sense, we were kind of forced. Hashem held a mountain over us, so it wasn't really a true acceptance. The real and true acceptance is only when Mashiach um, happened by Purim. By Purim is when the Yidin really, really accepted the Torah from their full hearts. Purim is the time when the Jewish people accepted the Torah in a much higher and deeper way, in a way that was lasting. That's what Chazal tells us. And the question is asked, so what do you see? That our connection to God, our attachment to Hashem, to the Torah and the mitzvahs became much deeper on Purim. So what, it, what that if you, if you, that indicates on a concealed mem the depth of our connection to Hashem being actualized, revealing itself. That's that hidden mem opening up. So let's understand what that means. How does that work? What is the significance? So the idea is as follows. What was wrong with the acceptance of the Torah during Matan Torah? When God gave the Torah to the Jewish people, we see it didn't last. We accepted the Torah, 40 days later we already made a golden calf. And then we had our ups and downs and ups and downs and it wasn't really that perfect. Hadar Kablu In the days of Achashverosh we re-accepted the Torah. So the question is asked, and we spoke about this many times, how can it be that in a time 
of the greatest spiritual elevation. When the Jewish people were on the most heightened state of spiritual sensitivity. When we went out of Mitzrayim, we went through the Yamsu, we, went, we stood there with Moshe Rabbeinu, he purified, he purified us, he elevated us, we all experienced godly love like never before. And actually it is explained that the meaning of holding a mountain over their head, in addition to the physical mountain, what it really means is that the Abishter Hashem showed us such intense love by Sinai, that it was overwhelming spirituality. And we were just pulled in with this powerful suction. And we accepted the Torah with such love. We were so spiritually in tune, we were so one, we were so holy, we were so godly. And yet we say, eh, it wasn't for real. It was temporary. It wasn't a true commitment. When did we have our true commitment? In the end of the exile, of the 70 year exile, Gala's bubble, Jewish people were then broken, materially and spiritually. We were completely crushed, persecuted, after gone through a lot of suffering, away from our whole lands. The first time that it looked like God has abandoned us. The sages tell us that the Jewish people in those days felt that they came running to Yechezkel, that they, to, to, to Yechezkel Hanavi, telling Yechezkel that we, we, we don't, uh, we don't, we're not obligated to God anymore after God dumped us. He threw us out. And uh, in the days of Haman, we were already so close to being exterminated as a people. So we're talking about an extreme, screen, extreme darkness on all levels. Gone were the miracles, gone was the light. All we had was abandonment, all we had was disconnect. All we had was cold hearts and clogged minds. We were in a terrible, terrible state. And yet, Dafka at that time, we accepted the Torah. And our Torah was, our acceptance is for real. Chasidus, the Alter Rebbe of Shneer Zalman of Liadi, explains how can that be. And he explains an amazing thing. And this, we spoke about this in other classes, but this is the point. And that is that what was unique about the time of Purim was that this is the first time in all of history in which the, on a national scale, the Jewish people as a people, as a whole people together, were willing to die as Jews. There was a threat looming over them that all Jews are going to be killed. So if you, God forbid, someone will unjew themselves, they will not be part of that decree. The decree was Yehudim on the Jewish people, La'abdam, to destroy them. Since the decree was on the Jewish people to destroy them, if you're not Jewish anymore, then you're not, you're not, not within that decree. The people had an entire year to think about it because Achashverosh's decree, Haman's decree was instituted in Nisan, and it was supposed to be actualized in Adar. Now it's true that Haman was immediately killed right after Pesach, just a couple of days later. But Ahasuerus couldn't revoke. He said, remember he told Mordechai, I cannot revoke the decree. So the decree was really there that anybody can go and plunder and kill Jews. The mob and those anti-Semites of then, bloodthirsty mob was ready to run out and kill them. Yes, Ahasuerus said, I'm going to help you defend yourself. But you know, who knows? no one knew what's going to happen. And of course the miracle happened, the Jewish people defeated all their enemies, but it was an entire year, almost a year, 11 and a half months, that the Jewish people stood, or 11 months, that the Jewish people stood, all of them. Now, yeah, it takes a tzaddik to know this, Rav Shneer Zalman of Liadi says that there wasn't even one person who thought of abandoning the, their faith and, and, and claiming that they're not Jewish. One person didn't even think like Allah bi machshavta machshaves chutz chas he says. 
God forbid, even a thought did not occur to them. Now, talking about you can save yourself, your families, your children. Talking about a slaughter that's about to happen, a bloodbath, like that the world has never seen. And you can save yourself, your wives, your children, your families, live on happily ever after. And what do you need to do? Abandon. Abandon who? A God that hasn't been taking care of you anyways. And yet, and we understand that there were different levels of Jews, different levels of religiosity. We can understand that big rabbis maybe who are very deeply devout, one thing. But how is it that the masses, many Jews were even marrying non-Jewish. That's how far and disconnected they were. And the reason the Alter Rebbe says they didn't convert, they didn't even think of converting, was because their pintalayid was evoked, was stimulated. Which means the deepest point of a Jew's neshama, where a Jew is inseparable from Hashem. And where a Yid and the Abishter are absolutely one. And where a Jew cannot, cannot, and will not ever, 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 ever sever himself. Like the Alter Rebbe says, or Shneer Zalman of Liadi says, A Jew that doesn't want to and he's not able to be sever himself from God. Our connection to Hashem is just is. And that's why he, and that was revealed for the first time in history on Purim. That Mesiris Nefesh is what caused that our acceptance of the Torah is now for real. Permanent, absolute, and for real. Why? Now let's understand this. The core difference of our acceptance of the Torah on, on, on Shavuos, a thousand years earlier, to a thousand years later, is that the acceptance of the Torah and I would say three things that make it there. Probably more if we really dissect it. But we'd say three things. The first thing is that the acceptance of the Torah during Har Sinai was circumstantial. God was so lovable. Hashem was showing us so much kindness and so much revelation and stimulating us on every level. And there was such, I mean, how can you not? I mean, a God like that. Someone as rich and as handsome and as... Hashem appeared by Har Sinai, by, uh, by, by, by Kriyas Yamsov, like a warrior, like the ultimate, the ultimate man. With every kind of quality. Which lady won't go running after him? And he comes down and says, I want to marry you and take you to my palace to live as a princess. How can you, how can you say no? So our con- acceptance of the Torah w- was under those circumstances. And we call that circumstantial. Take away all those circumstances. Will she still be committed to you? If you're a wealthy man, now you're poor. You lost all your money. Does she still love you? Or did she only marry you for your money? Did she only marry you because you were Prince Charms and you were so attractive and so funny and so humorous and so full of delight and so forth? By Matan Torah, God, God, God had seduced us and the seduction was so strong we could not say no. That's called circumstantial. On Purim, the circumstances were really bad. We hit rock bottom. There was absolutely nothing from God to make God attractive. He was an angry God, it looked like to us at least. He abandoned us, threw it out of, out of his house, doesn't want to have anything to do with us, caused us unbelievable amount of suffering and grief. Yes, okay, it's our fault, fine. This is after a major fight. Okay, we're talking about a couple after a major fight. And now it should have been, okay, we walk off. And yet, at this point, when someone wants to tell us we're not married to him anymore, and that you have to, God forbid, claim that, forget it, relationship is over, gone, forever, close the chapter, 
God forbid, accept the divorce. We couldn't do it. We could not do it. And the reason we couldn't, so you see, it's not, so now we commit ourselves from here. If at this time we commit ourselves to the relationship, it means it's not circumstantial. It's in every possible case because I'm choosing you at the lowest point. It can only get better than this. So there's no threat to the relationship anymore. That's why it's durable and forever. True acceptance of Torah means that it will be forever in every circumstance. So you can't prove it from when the circumstances are super, super, super in the high, super positive. You have to prove it when the circumstances are really, really bad. When we're in the pits. And over there we're marrying him in the pit. Not when we're marrying him on top of the mountain. Number one. Number two. Which is related to number one, but maybe from a different angle. Number two is the acceptance of the Torah by Matan Torah was because of an outside stimulation. It didn't come from us. It came from something outside of us. It came from Hashem. Hashem forced us to, to love Him. Everything that comes from, a, from the person, from outside a human being, is something added to you. And if it's added to you, it's going to erode. It's not going to last forever. Anything you choose because of something that's not you, because of something external to the person, doesn't last. Or doesn't have to last for sure. So by Matan Torah, as we said earlier, the Eberster flashed light to us, flashed and, 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 and zapped our soul with infinite pleasure and delight. By Matan Torah, it says every time God opens his mouth, we died from pleasure. <laughs> well, but the main thing is, and how is it different than the first thing? It's just slightly different. What I'm saying is like this. The main thing is that when you're being stimulated by something that's stimulating you, other than yourself, an external stimulation, so that means that I'm reacting to an outside thing. So what happens when these, this light goes away, and, and this stimuli goes away, and something else tickles my fantasy, something else stimulates me, there is another sweetness, but this time it's not the sweetness coming from God, it's the sweetness from something antithetical to holiness. It's from a golden calf that's now tickling us and promising great pleasure and great delight. If I'm following some kind of an attraction, something external that's grabbing me and pulling me, okay, so when this pull will be over and something else will pull, I will just as easily go after some other pull. Even though it might not compare to this pull, but now I don't have that original pull. That I don't have. And what's exciting me now? What's promising to me right now? Happiness. Something other than God. And then, obviously, we understand. So that's not real and not durable. That's another reason why Kabbalah Satoru, but by, by, by Purim. There was nothing outside that made us make that choice. The choice that we made was from our inner being, from ourselves. Within our hearts, we did not have within ourselves that ability. We just couldn't. There wasn't a Jew that could say, God, I'm done with you. Why? Because they, they, from within themselves, couldn't do them. That means so now you're choosing God from you, your choice, not from anything outside. And if it's coming from you, from your own choice, that's going to be forever. Point number three. 
And that's the deepest point. And that is when God reveals himself by Har Sinai and he's exciting us, what, is, what in us is getting stimulated and excited? What's getting stimulated and excited in us are our, our human features, our intellect. God was so convincing to our mind. God was so, 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 so attractive to our emotions. So our kochos anefesh, our powers of soul, were turned on. We experienced a powerful turn on towards spirituality, holiness, and God. Kochos anefesh. And here's the thing. Kochos anefesh, no matter what they are, are human. They're our kochos, human kochos. And they're all bahagabala, they're all with a limit. Every conviction of the mind, it's only how strong is that conviction? As, as strong as a human mind is, it's not an infinite conviction. Because we're not infinite. And anything we commit to from within our human powers and human resources is by its very definition limited. Our emotions is how much love, there's a limit to the love. No matter how powerful, there's still a limit. Anything that is a, that is, that is, that is a, a, you're right, we said earlier, we were being stimulated and being pulled by God. But what was being stimulated? What was being stimulated was our mind and our hearts. And our minds and our hearts are limited and finite. So are we capable of an infinite commitment? Are we capable of, an, of, a, of a limitless bond with God? No, we're not, because we're finite. So we cannot be in an infinite union and an infinite connection to Hashem. That's as long as we're tapping into our human resources. But there's one thing inside of us that transcends that, and that is our pintaleyid. That's the peace of God that's inside of us. That's our essence. That essence of God that's inside each and every one of us, that's not human, that's godly. But it's not stimulated through any kind of light and through any kind of revelation. Because it is, it is so hidden and it's so essential, nothing from the outside can stimulate it. You know the only thing that can be that it stimulate that sti- that provokes it and stimulates something that's inherently hidden and concealed and by its very definition cannot be revealed because it's it's divine it's not human and we don't have the kalim for it so therefore it doesn't reveal itself it's by its private and essence what reveals it only when it's being threatened only through an extreme darkness that's threatening this this, 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 this bond, this essential point, this deepest, this divine divinity in our soul, only when it's being threatened, that's when it, that's when it, it, it flares up. And that's why until the Jewish people didn't fall into this extreme darkness of, 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 of the story of Esther, of this time of concealment, Esther means concealment. It was a time of Anuchi Astir Astir. The Chazal say, how do we know the time? Where is Esther in the Torah? Because God says, I will hide my face. I will be so hidden. Why is Achashverosh called Achashverosh? We gave one interpretation earlier. There's another interpretation. Achashverosh comes from the word Shachros, darkness. Shehuchshiru, I think, Enayim Shel Yisrael, Keshulei Hakdeira. The sages say that our eyes became dark during the time of Achashverus, physically and spiritually, like the bottom of a pot. You have a pot that's overused, and it's like burnt onions at the bottom, or burnt pieces of potatoes that are like really stuck to the bottom, and burnt and black and dark. That's how darkened we were. We were at the bottom of the pot. And in that, in that darkness, 
we were like being now pushed at a point where someone was ready, Haman or whatever, they were pushing pressure at the point where they were going to take a, 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 a knife and slice that connection or threatening it. And here is where the Jew woke up with all of his Jewishness and said, impossible. From that darkness, from that concealment. So what was revealed now, not our intellect, our emotions, our features, but our very, very self. And that very, very self is God. That's, we are the other side of God. And there, from there we can make a commitment that's absolute, infinite, and eternal, and unbreachable, and unbreakable. Well, that's that closed mem that we're talking about. That's Mashiach. When Mashiach will come, we'll all be in touch with this Pintalayid. When Mashiach will come, Mashiach is the Yechida of the Jewish people. He's the deepest point of the Jewish Neshama. And when Mashiach will come, we will be, this depth of connection will be actualized. Why will Mashiach bring us a Beis HaMikdash that will last forever? It will last forever because it won't be, it won't be possible for it to be breached. Why? Because the, gener- the underlying oomph, the underlying uh, 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 power and, 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 and commitment to God that we all have is coming from a place that's infinite and boundless. It's coming from our very essence. And that's why the essence is infinite. The base, and it will manifest in a base HaMikdash. It's going to last forever. And here's an important point. When we tap into that essence and our, and our Judaism, then we're not seductible. Nothing else can seduce us. When that nekuda atzmas of our neshama reveals itself, then there's no space for anything else. That's why we find that, let's go back to uh, the story of this week's Parsha Zohar I mentioned. The Jewish people went, went to... Um, went to... Uh, came out of Egypt, they were marching to receive the Torah from Har Sinai. They were in the, again, they, they were riding a wave of spirituality. They watched, they watched the, ten, the ten plagues. They just went through the sea and Kabbalah and Hasidus explains that that's the most stimulating spiritual experience possible. Even the, even the maidservant had a higher prophecy than the greatest prophets. It's unbelievable. Yet we know that when, when they were in our final march, they were going to go in their last encampment, they were going to go to, to Har Sinai, what happened? Amalek came. And what's Amalek? Amalek is a force that makes you cold. Amalek is a force that laughs, cynic cynicism. Amalek is the one who tries to take your enthusiasm and dampens it. Amalek tries to say, eh, so what? You're excited? Eh, take a chill. That's it. Relax, chill. I'm not going to get into that whole discussion of what Amalek is, but it's a, it's a very, it's the worst type of clipper because even when you're excited, he just comes and makes a little comment and laughs at it and like laughs it off. And inside of us, we have the Amalek sometimes when we know that because something awesome, we're living in the days of Mashiach, we should be in already living in such a holy state that Amalek like dismisses it for no reason at all. It's very dangerous. But when, when did Amalek come? Not after Purim. Amalek encountered the Jewish people at, by Har Sinai, that period of time. Why? As long as your relationship with God comes from your human powers, it can be the highest human powers. You can, you can be using your, your, your as, as we said earlier, your highest kochas of your, of your neshama, your intellect, your emotions. But it's again, your connection to God is because your appreciation of the relationship, intellectually, emotionally, or whatever it is, then, then there is a danger of a chitzonim. It's a danger of what we called earlier, yenikas a chitzonim. A mole can still get in. 
But when a Jew is tapping into the very essence of his neshama, his very, very root, and revealing that in his being, then the powers of Amalek stand. No chance. Are broken. Amalek, and then Amalek is the source of all the nations. As it says, Reish is Goyam Amalek. He's the beginning of all nations. So every type of klipa can't get in because when our connection to Hashem is on this level, as we said earlier, where there's unconditional, and and problem is that this is usually remains in our subconscious. But when we bring it out and it fully manifests and it fully floods our consciousness with this, that who our identity are, that we're Jews and our commitment to God is who we are at our deepest point, nothing can infiltrate anymore. What happens? The open mems close. The hidden mem, this deep, deep bond opens up. The two of them are related, are connected. That's why the Rebbe says, the Lubavitcher Rebbe says an amazing thing. Megillah Nekres, what's the story of Megillah? Megillah is Megillah's Esther. Megillah's Esther means to reveal the Hester, that which is hidden. In this, according to this meaning, Esther means the deepest point of Yenishama, that's concealed, you don't feel it. Megillah is to reveal, the story of Purim is to reveal. Open up, Mordechai, open up the Mem, the closed Mem. Open it up. Open up the deepest, the deepest hidden, that which you never knew you are, you never understood and appreciated how Jewish you are. That <coughs> godliness at the core of your soul, allow that to flow open. That's called Megillah. That's opening your Megillah. Nikrates, you're revealing the Megillah. And the, the, the Mishnah says that Megillah is read from the 11th day of Adar till the 15th day of Adar. Which we're not going to get into the meaning of that, but... In the time of the sages, not today, in the time of the Gemara and the Talmud's days, they would allow for reading the Megillah, not only on the 14th and the 15th like we do today. We do 14th in cities that are not enclosed and the 15th in cities that are walled cities. But in the time of the Mishnah, you can already read the Megillah from the 11th day for the people that lived in villages and they didn't get a chance to come to shul. They would come in on market days. So the sages say that you can read it already on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. The opening Mishnah, Masechtas Megillah. So, but the, Re- the Rebbe says something so amazing. He says, the meaning of that is, Yud Aleph, the 11th day, which is the first day, represents the power of a person's behavior. Why? Let me, let me just make one more introduction very quickly. And that is that there are four, we know that because we are a piece of God from above, we all have within each ourselves Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. So it says that that um, in Hashem, what does Amalek do? One of the powers of Amalek is to interfere in the Yudke Vavke. In the, in the Pasuk it says that Hashem says, I'm going to destroy Amalek, because there is a hand on the, on, the th- on the throne of God. So the sages say, because Hashem's name is incomplete until Amalek will be destroyed. Because Amalek interferes between the Yudke and the Vavke. He doesn't allow Hashem's name to be complete. The word Amalek is from the word Malak. This week in the parasha, parasha is Vayikra. We have the word Malika. Malika means to disconnect the head from the, from the body that the Kohanim would do, and the, the priests would do it in the Beis Amigdash with their thumb. They would disconnect the head from the body. Hama, I mean, Amalek tries to disconnect the head from the body. What does that mean? I've told you earlier, Amalek tries to cool us. 
That means even when we're inspired, let's say as a Jew, we have a holy intelligence, we learn Torah, especially when we learn the mystical side of Torah, we create within ourselves an appreciation of holiness and godliness that's intellectual and emotionally as well. That's called the Yud and the He of the Neshama, the Chachma and the Bina, the internal. Bina is the heart, as the Zohar says, Bina Liba, Bina is the heart. And Chachma is the brain. That's the inner world of the Jew. Vavke is the behavior of a Yid. Vav represents Torah study, because Vav is related to sound, and when we learn Torah, it's with Dibur, with speech. And of the He, the latter He of Hashem's name, in our Neshama is our, pa, is our, pa, our ability for holy observance, actual mitzvahs, mitzvah observance. And as a Jew, if we are, when we are excited intellectually and emotionally, it should translate that our actual behavior is that we study Torah every minute we have, and that we do mitzvahs whenever we can. When Amalek does, tries to come inside and slice, disconnect the, the head, Malak, he chops our head off. That even though you have a head, it's okay. You can learn, you can be excited, relax. You don't have to translate it into increased excited observance. When does Amalek have power? When we are not operating from our essence, as we said earlier. When we are, yeah, we have higher powers, our yudke, our vav, that's not our essence. Our essence is beyond name. That's why Hashem's name is not in the Megillah. Because the essence of God is beyond name. And on Purim hour, we're uncovering our essential bond beyond all names, beyond Hashem's name. Higher than Yudke. Megillah Nekreis. We call forth the Megillah. We call forth our essential connection to Hashem, transcending all names. But when we do that, what happens? We connect Yud Aleph and Tezvav. Yud Aleph is the Vav K, which represents action, because Vav and He is 11. Vav is 6 and He is 5, is 11. Tezvav, which is the last day we can read the Megillah, represents Yud K. Yud and He, Yud is 10 and He is, is 15. 15 and 11 means the full Yud K Vav K. That means a Yid is permeated. Megillah Nekreis. You bring the Megillah in from your Yud Aleph into your 15. Both of them merge together. You're a full-fledged Jew. And there's no room for anything unholy and godly in your life. The Mem is closed. Nothing unkosher. Nothing ungodly is going to get in. Why? Because you're not being stimulated in your Judaism. God is not, you're not in a relationship with Hashem because it feels good. You're not in a relationship to Hashem because it gives you pleasure or meaning or significance or all these external reasons. Because guess what? If that's your reason for connection, then other things can one day give you meaning and the, the unholy can come and present its case to, to, to seduce you and pull you away from it. But if your connection to Hashem is because this is who I am and I'm inseparable from God, nothing can challenge that. That's unchallengeable. And that's the deeper meaning. When the hidden man opens up, which happened on Purim, the, the, when the closed man opens the, the walls of Jerusalem in, 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 in a person's life, it means you are Jerusalem. But when your walls are open, what does that mean when your walls are open? Your walls are open means that anybody can enter into your life. Any kind of garbage can come floating your way and you allow it to go in. Just because you saw something, you heard something, it right away it comes in from all directions because you have breaches in your walls. Close those walls. But what does it take to close the walls? What it takes to close your walls is to deepen your connection to God. Realize that your connection to Hashem is uncover your essential bond. And then automatically, with that power of Mesiris Nefesh, that's evoked within you, you'll close, you'll have the ability to say no to every kind of unholy opportunity that's, that's knocking on the door. In general, you don't even have to say no because the doors are closed, they don't even try to go in. 
They can sense that you have a tight grip. This is the idea. So this is how Purim and Moshiach are all together. Mashiach, we're going to be in that. Purim is really the beginning of the days of Mashiach. And this also explains the relationship with salt. Remember I said this week, we're connected to salt. What does salt do? Salt has the, two, the, the power of both mems to it. It begins with a mem, and it has the power of both mems to it. The closed mem and the open mem. It deals with the closed mem, because salt acts as something that kills germs. You put salt on something, it kills the germs. There's a Pasuk that says, ki, ki shamayim ka'asha nimluchu. The, 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 the heavens, the unholy heavens, it says. The unholy heavens will, will be destroyed like, 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 well, like salt. Nimluchus, Mepharshim say means recover. They will, they will rot. So salt can cause germs and negative things to rot. That's the cutting off of the klipa that we spoke earlier, chopping them off, getting rid of Amalek. But salt is something else. It acts as a preservative. And it's called bris melach elokecha. It's the covenant with God. And why do you add it to every sacrifice? In addition to keep the klipas away, but it's something much deeper. What the salt is doing is that, what's a sacrifice? A karma means you want to come close to God. Adam kiyakrev, the beginning of the parish. A person wants to come close to God. The question is, what's the What's the, what's the motive in this, in this getting close? You can get close to God for all kinds of superficial external reasons. But if your relationship to Hashem is superficial and external, coming from an external, superficial, outer place, and when I say superficial, I mean even very deep, even because you love Hashem because He's so magnificent, it's also called superficial. And it's not going to last, it's not going to be forever. The point of putting salt of it is to make your relationship with the Abish, the Bris, Kehin, Kuhunas, Oilam. It's going to be the, an eternal connection to Hashem that's never ever going to break. Forever and ever and ever. And that's what salt does. So salt is really revealing or bringing forth or taking the carbon, which could be for, which could be a temporary closeness and making it an eternal. By what? So the Melach, which begins with a Mem. Represents both the, the, the drawing forth, the bringing out the hidden mem and actualizing it. And automatically as a result of that, the mems that are open, the walls that are open got to close. And that's our being born as a Jew in the days of Mashiach. It's going to be a birth. And as we said earlier, when a baby is born, that which is closed, which is our deepest secret of our soul, will open up and be revealed and that which is open, which is in the baby represents its stomach, is open, will now close. And no, there won't be a possibility of anything undesirable forever, ever tempting or reaching out and trying to pull us away from our connection to Hashem. May we merit to fully experience already the coming of Moshiach, the Menachem we've all been waiting for, the one who will bring us ultimate Nechama, who will take us from the open Mem into the closed Mem, and open up the closed and close that which is open and we will be in a state of ultimate joy and happiness forever.